good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Friday, October 13th. San Diegans with personal connections to the conflict in Israel and the Palestinian territories are pleading for help. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. A woman living in the U.S. Customs and Border Protection's makeshift migrant camp in San Isidro died earlier this week. CBP has been keeping hundreds of migrants in outdoor camps between the two border walls for months. This is the first reported death. Nina Douglas is one of the migrant advocates working at the camp. We talk every day about our fear that someone will die, and now someone has died. CBP officials say they're reviewing the incident. Kaiser officials say labor negotiations will continue today after resuming on Thursday. Kaiser workers in multiple states, including 4,500 here in San Diego, are currently working without a contract. The Coalition of Unions says a sticking point continues to be putting limitations on subcontracting and outsourcing jobs. Just one last reminder that the tax filing deadline is just days away. The IRS is reminding taxpayers that the deadline to file your tax returns and pay any remaining federal income taxes old for last year is on Monday. The tax deadline was extended for those living in counties impacted by recent storms, and San Diego was one of the counties that got an extension. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. As the death toll in the Israel-Hamas conflict rises, Palestinians and Jews in San Diego are urging public officials to take action. Reporter Katie Heisen has more. Hours after Mayor Todd Gloria posted on Instagram that the city stands with Israel, a coalition of Palestinian supporters asked San Diego officials to condemn the siege on Gaza. San Diegan Rola Abushaban says she has family in Gaza where Israel is bombing. She lost contact with them two days ago. Last message I received from my aunt was, we are alive, but we'd rather die because no one feels what the Palestinians are living here. We are innocent people. The Israeli government cut off water, food, and electricity to Gaza, where 2.3 million people are trapped inside borders the size of Philadelphia. Almost half are children. Rabbi Devorah Marcus of Temple Emmanuel says Palestinians are also paying the price of war, but their plight doesn't justify the actions of Hamas. It's been horrific. 
And every day as we find out more of the families who've been killed and seeing the faces of people who we know or our friends know and love, it's inexcusable. Hamas and the Israeli government are not the collective people of the Palestinian territories and Israel, thousands of whom have been killed since Saturday. Everyone I spoke with today on both sides is pleading for help. They all said they didn't feel heard. Katie Heisen, KPBS News. Thousands of students at Chula Vista high schools at times only have one or two bathrooms to use. That's according to student leaders. South Bay reporter Corey Suzuki has details. For Petra Duron, freshman year of high school is off to kind of a stressful start. There's all the new people, the classwork, and then there's the bathroom situation. There's like certain bathrooms right there, but those bathrooms are closed due to vaping. So I have to go to like the nearest bathrooms where I what, five minutes away, and like the teacher like, doesn't let you go out again. In recent weeks, many of the bathrooms have been closed at Chula Vista High, where Petra goes. That's according to students and a staff member. Student leaders say this is also happening at other schools, on both the east and west sides of Sweetwater Union High School District. Here's student representative Isaiah Ringfield speaking at the Sweetwater board meeting last month. Multiple campuses um, have had one bathroom open um, on the entire campus. One bathroom open throughout the entire campus is huge. Um, when you're talking about 2,000 plus students. Chula Vista High School principal Julio Alcala says he doesn't remember a time when the school has only had one bathroom open. But he says they do close bathrooms sometimes. We end up closing the restrooms until we can investigate, you know, if we can see who was there vaping. He says they're working on the problem. Corey Suzuki, KPBS News. Beauty Beyond Bars is an unconventional project to support inmates in maintaining their appearance and good hygiene. Education reporter M.G. Perez tells us it's the vision of a San Diego Unified graduate. Leah Nepomuceno graduated from Scripps Ranch High School last June. She's now a freshman at George Washington University, and her passion for social justice just got more creative. We have lotions as well as a lip moisturizer. We have a makeup towelette. Nepomuceno is the creator of Beauty Beyond Bars, which on face value began delivering hygiene care packages to inmates at Las Colinas Detention Facility last weekend, a first step in rebuilding their dignity and self-esteem. There even is beauty in the people that who are often shamed and given this label of criminal, there's beauty in them too. The new project's mission is more than skin deep. Supporters will also push for changes in national legislation, requiring the unshackling of incarcerated pregnant women while giving birth and special consideration for wearing religious headwear like a hijab. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. Coming up, we have details on some arts events this weekend. We'll have that and more just after the break.
Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. There are currently more than 4 million breast cancer survivors in the U.S. Reporter Melissa May tells us how breast cancer treatment has changed in recent years. Breast cancer is the second most common cancer for women. 13 years ago, Rebecca Dabbs noticed a small lump on her left breast. The then 34-year-old was diagnosed with HER2-positive breast cancer. This is not a pretty pink disease. This is a nasty struggle that a lot of women go through, you know, one in eight. So to me, Breast Cancer Awareness Month means courage and fighting. Earlier this year, the United States Preventive Services Task Force changed the recommendation that all women at age 40, not 50, get a breast cancer screening with a mammogram every other year. Dr. Rebecca Shatsky with UC San Diego's Breast Medical Oncology Department says if you notice any breast skin changes, not just lumps, to contact your primary care doctor. If there's new skin thickening or changes to the nipple, sometimes breast tumors can actually pull the nipple into the breast where it wasn't before, and that's called nipple retraction. She says the average age of women being diagnosed with breast cancer is 61. But recently, there has been an increase in younger women being diagnosed. There is a Making Strides Against Breast Cancer walk this Sunday, October 15th at Balboa Park. Go to cancer.org to sign up. Melissa May, KPBS News. Florida-based Arcade Monsters is coming to San Diego with an immersive arcade game facility. It is also commissioning graffiti artists to cover the walls and even ceilings with murals to create an art gallery that expands the idea of public art. Arts reporter Beth Alcomando speaks with the artists putting up these walls. Tens of thousands of years ago, prehistoric humans held their hands against cave walls and blew a spray of paint, leaving a hand stencil behind. That, you could say, was the birth of both graffiti and public art. But no one has ever called cave paintings illegal or an act of vandalism. As soon as I hear spray paint or aerosol, it's like, no, 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 we don't want any of that vandalism over here. And they don't take the time to look. Back in 1991, I worked with Jason Cerro Saiz and seven other graffiti artists on a project for Fox Channel 6. Someone will say, who do you paint for? You know, we paint for ourselves and the riders. We'd like to say we paint for the public, you know, for people to see, for other people to appreciate it. But it's taken a long time for graffiti to gain that appreciation, says Marcus Borges, an artist better known as Grabster. The beauty of graffiti is it came from not asking for permission. We would just go out and paint wherever we can, whether it was trains or walls, abandoned buildings. You know, we'd go under bridges and find our, our, our walls and paint them. 
Jonathan Torres, who goes by the moniker Recall, adds that in the early days of graffiti, no one was hiring them to do their work. I feel that graffiti is actually the original public art. You know, it's in your face, it's in the public. I mean, a lot of times it is illegal, but if you know what you're looking at, a lot of times you, like, you can find the value of the craft of, of being, uh, graffiti writers and what they do. What's amazing to Grabster is that without formal training, without financial or community support, and without sophisticated equipment, early graffiti artists still managed to perfect their art. Back then it was like, you gotta know someone. Oh, my cousin does graffiti, or this friend of his, I heard he, he does graffiti, and it was so secretive, you know? Because you don't go around saying like, yeah, I do graffiti. It was like a secret society, you know? Recall remembers a real sense of mentorship. And then they would teach you things, and they would show you how to like blend with a spray can, or what types of caps to use, or... So there was this whole mentor, uh, ship aspect of writing, which I feel is not as strong as it was back in the days. Now, you can Google graffiti and find how-to videos. But Grabster says that accessibility also means graffiti has become more widely accepted. It's nice because we've you know, been practicing our craft and using the spray can for two decades now. And now, I feel like we're at the level where we can paint almost anything with the spray cans. Including murals for businesses. And here at Arcade Monsters, um, it's really fun because we have the opportunity to paint a lot of fun cartoons and video game characters that we grew up on. Arcade Monsters is a rapidly growing company with five locations in Florida. Operations manager Jonathan Haynes is excited about how Grabster and Recall are transforming Arcade Monsters' newest location here in San Diego. The way that people walk in, and it's all about their reactions. They walk in, and that first initial walk in, and you just see the look on their face, and you can't beat it. You know we're doing something right, and that's what sets us apart. We're an art gallery. With art covering every exposed inch of space. We're curving around walls. There's doors. So uh, it's not just a big, flat wall. So I think that's the challenge, is like fitting what we're trying to show or portray in the small uh, areas and spaces, just to fill every wall in here. As you notice, you walk around, there's art on every wall, so we don't discriminate walls. We're like, it's, it's a small wall, we'll fit something cool there. Yet Grabster feels graffiti is still fighting an image battle. It is an art form. It's a language that a lot of people don't understand. There's geometry in it, there's flow and movement, and, but people, sometimes they'll see graffiti and they're like, I don't know what it says, so I don't like it or something. But if you just look at it for the colors, the abstract shapes, the movement, like you, you can appreciate it. And I feel like it's an art form that's underappreciated. Arcade Monsters appreciates graffiti art and hopes that retro gamers will too. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. This story is part of an ongoing series about public art in the region. More stories are available at kpbs.org slash public art. And before you go, arts editor and producer Julia Dixon-Evans has some suggestions for arts events to check out this weekend. She shared the details with my colleague, Jade Heidman. Let's talk about some visual art. You have some new contemporary art and a fresh look at a traditional art form. So what's new in the galleries this week? So first is Evan Tyler at Art Produce. His exhibit is called Systemic Glitch, and it opens with a reception on Saturday from 5 to 7. 
Evan Tyler is a multidisciplinary artist who works primarily in fiber arts and, and traditional craft like dyeing and weaving textiles. And he was artist in residence at Art Produce last summer, so we all kind of got a glimpse of his work for the first time there. This exhibit, though, has been brewing for, for Tyler since June 2nd, 2020. And um, if you remember, that was when people were posting a black square on Instagram in the days following the murder of George Floyd, kind of as a way of protesting police brutality and systemic racism. And for Evan Tyler, he's he's remembering that and looking at now that we're in 2023 and it's hard to find connections to any meaningful change that happened as a result of those black squares. So he's asking all these questions about what that act meant. And he's manifested these black squares as these glitchy renderings on his woven textiles. So they're made of natural dyes and wool. And then he has these black stripes interrupting the piece. There's also this kind of like hyper digital look to it, which is a really thoughtful contrast to the, the softness of the materials and also the, the ancient craft of, of weaving. And it opens Saturday and it's on view through November 18th at Art Produce that's in North Park. It's also time for the 11th annual San Diego Zine Fest, which is happening all weekend at Bread and Salt in Logan Heights. What's happening at the fest? So it's it's like a big art and book fair with a bunch of artists, publishers, zine makers, all displaying and selling their wares. And zines are so diverse. You'll find some that are bound, more looking like traditional books. And then there are some that are literally just folded pieces of paper. There's artworks and prints and this fest has also a music program. They filled the entire day with DJs and then a few live performance spots on Sunday. It's going to be noon to six each day. There's tons of exhibitors, 50 or more each day. Some of the ones that stood out to me are 31G, the artist Hate Paste, SDSU Zine Club, Radical History Club, Mi Vida Logan, Particle FM, and like I said, so many. It's free. It's all ages. And also they said that dogs are welcome. I feel like that's that's important. <laughs> well, everyone loves their dog. <laughs> and so this is also in conjunction with the Barrio Art Crawl, right? Right. So the Barrio Art Crawl runs from noon to eight. And after you're done at the Zine Fest, you can pop over to Por Vida Gallery. It's, it's nearby. Um, they're having a zine library installation and then visual art by some of the zine makers. And, and from there, you can also tour all the other shops and galleries and restaurants along Logan Avenue. And you could also linger at Bread and Salt. They're always open until 8 o'clock on Barrio Art Call nights. And this weekend in particular, it's the final day to see Aaron Estrada's works in his exhibit at Best Practice. Um, his work is really cool. And there's plenty on view in the other galleries. All right, so let's switch gears and talk about a performance we can catch this weekend. Uh, in theater, here's a fun one that's just perfect for the Halloween season, the Adams Family Musical. Tell me about that. Right. So this is San Diego Musical Theater. They're producing this at their Kearney Mesa performance venue. Um, it's it's a production of the 2009 Broadway musical. We're, we're listening to the original Broadway cast recording now when Nathan Lane had, had the role of Gomez Adams. We gather to honor the great cycle of life and death. Come, every member of our clan, living, dead, and undecided. And let us celebrate what it is to be an Adams. 
The musical is inspired by the old comic series, the comic strip in The New Yorker. It was by Charles Adams, and that was basically the source material for anything Adams Family, the movies, the TV show in the 1960s, and of course Netflix's Wednesday. And the play follows a moment in the Adams Family life when Wednesday Adams brings home her fiancé and his parents as, as a surprise. So you can imagine how the Adams Family reacts. Uh, it's a big production. They have a huge cast in what is a pretty intimate venue, so it'll be a really great experience. It's on stage now through October 29th with shows Wednesday through Sunday. That was KPBS arts editor and producer Julia Dixon-Evans speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Heineman. You can find details on these and more arts events at kpbs.org arts. Also this weekend, have your solar safety glasses handy so you can catch the solar eclipse tomorrow. This rare phenomenon when the moon covers the sun to create a majestic ring of fire will not be seen in the U.S. again until 2039. If you're interested in a viewing party, the Fleet Science Center is hosting theirs at 8 a.m. in front of the iconic B. Evanson Fountain. The eclipse is set to begin at 8.09 tomorrow morning and viewers will see the most exciting moments between 8.45 and 9.45. The eclipse will conclude at 10.52 a.m. as the moon leaves the sun's edge. That's it for the podcast today. This podcast is produced by KPBS producer Emmalyn Mohebi and edited by KPBS senior producer Brooke Ruth. I'd like to thank KPBS reporters John Carroll and Matt Hoffman for helping out the team over the last two weeks. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. Join us again Monday to start the week together with today's top stories. Plus, we hear about the art that covers a bridge in Hillcrest. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend.